Guys, we're back for another exciting episode of the Hashtag Wednesday Match Play. And tonight's going to be fun because I know this guy. And I've known this guy. I've had beers with this guy. And I've, I've followed him for the last few years and all of the different properties that this guy's been at. We're going to talk about a few of those tonight. And, and he's had some international experience. And, and he drinks Bud Light, if I, if I remember correctly. That's your beer of choice, right? Robert? That is correct. Yeah. And Pacifico when I'm south of the border. All right. I'll allow that. All right. That's good. I got a, a barrel-aged Imperial Scotch Ale in my glass tonight, so it's not quite um, Bud Light. But I actually thought about that on the way home. I'm like, should I just grab a six-pack of Bud Light? Just in honor of. of tonight? <laughs> yeah, but, but tonight I'm excited because we're, we're going to talk about the Powderhorn Golf Club. And, and we got Robbie Kearney with us. And Robbie has been – I mean, he's been a Troon guy for as long as I – I mean, I've known him for four years now. And he's been with Troon for a long, long time. And I'm just excited to learn more about, one, him and his history with – Troon, but also what the powder horn is all about. So when I was at the, at the Troon corporate office, I learned and worked closely with him and his, his transition into the powder horn. The property looks just incredible. And it's a Troon Privé facility. So working at a Troon Privé club here in Naples, it's going to be cool just to learn more about what he's got going on there. And I don't know anything about Wyoming, let alone Sheridan, Wyoming. So we're going to learn a little bit about that. But Robbie, welcome to the Wednesday Match Play. No, Ricky, thank you. I appreciate you having me on. Looking forward to the show. So it's going to be a lot of questions about you and golf and, and, and Sheridan and all that. So just give us an overview. So you're the GM at the Powderhorn. Give us like a 30-second overview of what that means, what that entails, what the property is, just the whole like the elevator pitch of who you are, what you do, and what the Powderhorn is all about. So I arrived on property here about 17 months ago. The ownership group had reached out to Troon. We uh, signed an agreement where we're actually going to come on board and start managing their facility for them. The thought process there was they had been a semi-private club for almost 20 years. They wanted to turn 100% private. We sat down in the office and we said, okay, let's strategize. Step one, what do we need to do from here? And the ultimate goal was to turn one turn private by April 1st of last year. We did that. Couldn't have been more seamless. Um, the five-month transition that we had leading up to that was, uh, you know, couldn't have been better received with everyone here in the community. Um, you know, from then on, it's it's uh, the rest is history. It's been good. It's uh, selling memberships, staying busy, and uh, just for everybody who wonders where Sheridan, Wyoming is, I'm about 20 miles south of the Montana border. If you look at us on a map, I'm six hours due north from Denver. Okay, so that's not too bad. Denver can be like a weekend trip. So absolutely, I dig that. All right, now. Uh, Eat Sleep Golf is the presenting sponsor of the Hashtag Wednesday Match Play, and they always send in a whole bunch of good questions, and tonight I think their questions might be the best I've seen from them yet. Like, they've got six really good questions, but let's just start with looking at the pictures online. You have three courses at the Powderhorn. Walk us through those and how each different nine has distinguishing features and how they, how they compete with one another and kind of what just the overall plan and layout of those three courses. Yeah, so I don't know if you, Ricky, had a chance to take a look at our flyover that we've got on the homepage of our website, but we've got three distinct nines with 27 eclectic holes. We've got the stag nine, which is uh, little to no elevation. There's a lot of rivers and streams that flow throughout the Little Goose River. Um, tree line, much more traditional. So what you would see somewhere in the southeast region of the country requires a lot of attention and accuracy off the tee. And then we've got our mountain nine, which is... Uh, Obviously, on the south end of the property, there's quite a bit of elevation change. I think the highest from tee to green is 48 feet. Um, you've got the, the views of the Bighorn Mountains in the backdrop. I mean, the panoramic 360 views here you get, you can't even replicate it. I mean, I would almost I would almost say it's very similar to what you would get in Vail, East Vail Valley, somewhere in there. And then we also have the Eagle Nine, which is very similar, but it's different in that regard where it kind of brings in a little bit of 
the best features of the Mountain 9 and the Stag 9. So you've got a great comparison there between the nine holes to where it really makes up. That's probably my favorite nine, to be quite honest with you. Um, so you've got some open holes that had the elevation change, and you've got the tree line ones. Um, they require a little more accuracy off the tee. But the golf course itself, honestly, I was blown away when I got up here. Never been to Wyoming. Had no idea where it was. I moved here from Nashville. Flew up here in October of 15, and I couldn't have been more amazed at what I saw. Um, you know, the stunning backdrop that we do have here being right at the base of the mountains. It's something, and I say it all the time to our members or prospective members that are moving here from other states. You know, it, it's, it's a backdrop that you can't replicate anywhere else in the country. It's, it's truly special. And, uh, you know, the, one of the things that was most appealing to my, my wife and I was just the pace of life here. You know, there's so much to do, but uh, the quality of life itself, we're outside of the hustle and bustle of the big city, which was nice for once. And, uh, you know, it, it, uh, it's, it's been good. Happy to be here. Okay, so you might have just written the next question because the next question is, besides golf, what is there to do in Sheridan? So besides golf, what are you, what are you guys doing? What's keeping you busy? You know, I deal with a lot of prospective members over the phone. We have a lot of general inquiries through our website, people that have looked at the property online. They want to know how the area is. You know, the golf course obviously is a component of the community and we're an amenity and we view ourselves as that. But in Sheridan, I mean, if you like that adventurous outdoor lifestyle, you like to hunt, fish, ski, um, trout fish, you got some of the best trout fishing in the world up here in the Bighorn Mountains. The uh, northern little goose is it's world renowned if you Google it on the number of people that will fly in from all over the world to, to trout fish up there. But um, you get the I've probably never even been to a place that embraces their western culture like they do here. I mean, the wild rodeo that we host here the, in uh, early summer, it's, it's something you've never seen. I'm from Texas. I've been to my fair share of rodeos. And I can be honest with you, I probably had the most fun last year at my first wild rodeo here in Sheridan than I've had at all the rodeos I went to in Texas. And I've been to hundreds of them. Um, you know, there's a, this, the town itself, it's about 18,000 people and the surrounding community comp comprises about 30,000. But, um, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, we have all the amenities that you would have in the big city, but we don't have the traffic. We don't have, you know, just like I said, the, the quality of life in, in general is just uh, – it's just a much easier pace. That is awesome. Well, I, I've been to a couple of rodeos myself, but that sounds like something that I would uh, like to see. That sounds fun. So how many members do you guys have? I mean, you talk about the size of the community, but how many members do you guys have? We have 354 members as of today. So for a club that's relatively in its infancy of being private for not even, you know, technically 12 months in a week is where we're at. I mean, we're literally just over a year. We're a week into this. Um, to be thriving like we are and continuing to sell memberships, it's uh, it's been nothing but phenomenal. Like I said, the community, the area, the people in North Central Wyoming have uh, received the privatization of this club very well. That's really cool. That's got to be a tough transition too to go from a course that was semi-private to strictly private. I mean, that's that's a pretty cool and unique thing. I think that would be both within Trans Portfolio and too just within the grand scheme of facilities out there. So the Powderhorn is obviously a unique name and a unique golf course. Is there a story behind the name? Surely. I mean, it's got to be something to do with the logo. And, like, what's the story of the name the Powderhorn? You know, if you've seen our logo, it's the actual Powderhorn that, uh, you know, obviously in the Wild West, they would carry those Powderhorns for their muzzles, for their guns. They would fill them with gunpowder. And that's how you would fill it and pour it back down. So that dates all the way back to the mid-1800s. Um, our owner, Homer A. Scott, actually purchased the property that the Powderhorn's on back in 93. It's uh, kind of been his... I don't, you know, he's a diehard golfer, and this was kind of not necessarily his legacy, but it's something that he really wanted to bring to the community, being from Sheridan, um, lived here a majority of his life, if not all of it. And uh, it was one of those things that he had kind of visualized, okay, I want to build 
I've played golf all over the world. I've got a, I've got a idea of what I want to create. And then he just ran wild. And uh, the powder horn only made you know natural sense, obviously, with us embracing our Western culture. Um, I, I love the logo personally. It's one of the better logos I've seen. It, uh, we, we've kind of rebranded it a little bit. We're actually just create, you know, you've got some iconic logos like Augusta. You know, you see that everybody knows what that flag is. So we've got some where we removed the text and we just had the actual powder horn itself and we've got Sheridan, Wyoming underneath it. So we've got about three different logos that we're playing with in our golf shop for our members. So when they're out traveling, um, they're in the Southeast United States or Southwest United States, people are starting to see that logo. Which is the next. That's really cool. Now, so you're a GM at a private club, a part of the Trim Privé family. And I am curious, and I know this answer a little bit better than some, but at home, let's talk about what it's like to be a GM at a private club. Now, not at a daily fee club, because that's a totally different answer. But as a GM at a private facility, what, what's the good and the bad and, and the ugly and the positive? Like, just walk us through the day in the life of a private club GM. You know, the bad, the ugly, it really doesn't exist. You know, I, my job, the way I look at it is, you know, I've created a really good team here and I've got a strong leadership team on all facets and all departments. Um, we're all about building relationships, to be quite honest with you. You know, I think we've done a really good job of creating a fun, family-friendly environment. You know, some people, when they think of clubs, they don't think they're necessarily um, club. A club wouldn't necessarily fit their idealists, whereas we sit down, and we want to be more inclusive rather than exclusive. And I think that's kind of a paradigm shift the golf industry as a whole has had to realize in the last five to seven years. You know, being exclusive is no longer acceptable. Um, you know, it, I would be lying and remiss if I didn't say that more golf courses have closed in the last 17 years and have opened. And a lot of people don't realize that stat. So it's one of those things that when you actually take that in, okay, what can we do to get better? How can we become more inclusive? How can we attract the families? Dad's not spending five hours at the golf course every Saturday morning like he was 20 years ago just a reality of the issue so we've had to evolve and i think that's one of the things that we've really embraced here and we've done a good job of creating that culture um myself you know honestly i build relationships with members i've been here for you know almost 17 months and not only myself but anybody on our team all we want to do is exceed their expectations every time they come up to the club it's their club we're here to serve them and we've taken that mentality um and run with it it's uh you know, you can go into some places and you could be at some high-end shops and it necessarily doesn't have to be club related, but sometimes you feel unwelcomed. Well, as soon as they walk through the door, this is their club and we want them to know that and we, and we welcome them with open arms. That's awesome. I love that. Like, I'm writing down all these quotes that I'm going to tweet from you later. Like that's, that's <laughs> awesome. So the team at Easley Golf is all about video and video production. And they said that they love the video on your website and it is, it's very well done. Talk a little bit about the production of that video and how that plays into your overall marketing strategy for the community and for the club. Well, we worked with a local marketing firm here in town and kind of the thought process there was, you know, the club, just like I said earlier, you know, we view it as a community. The Powderhorn community itself has so much to offer. And the aerial footage that you see kind of highlights the golf course, but then the 360 angles allows you to see what else we have in the community. We have two stock ponds that you see in there that we actually stock with trout and various other species of fish every March. So our members can just literally walk out there, fish, and that's one of the privileges of living here within the community. Um, we have the Little Goose River that you can see that flows throughout the community, another amazing fishing place. Um, you can literally just walk down there and, and drop a line in and, and get busy per se. But um, yeah, in the overall concept, and if you watched it, the gentleman that opens the door and waves his arm to you, so that's our owner, Scotty, Homer A. Scott. So you know, he was heavily involved in the production of that film, and uh, you know, Scotty's a, a very well-loved uh, 
figure here in the community and not only in north central wyoming but pretty much from the denver area on up i mean he's uh he's one of those individuals he's got a personality where you kind of gravitate towards him as soon as you meet him um so you know it, it was great to have him in the video and and him to play an integral part in that but uh but no it's uh it, we just wanted to showcase everything that we have to offer we're so much more than a club you know we've got a club we've got great amenities but at the end of the day we've also got a great community as well and it's it's appealing you know if you're in the southeast you're in the southwest you're in the northeast and you want to get away to some cooler temperatures in the summertime you know we're the place to be well i don't ever want to be cold again but i would like to come see the property but i'll do it in the middle of the summer when it's as warm as it can brother i have be. experienced some temperatures here i could never even realize existed so i looked up we were in nashville and granted i had never lived above the mason dixon line we were in nashville my wife and i were looking at the uh the record lows for the area and i think it was 42 below in sheridan we got down to 28 we got down to 28 below the week after thanksgiving this year and i'll be honest with you i haven't been up here it's such a dry climate when it gets to 10 15 degrees cold is cold and it really doesn't bother me you know living in the southeast where it's obviously much more humid 40 50 degrees in the southeast i'd take five degrees here all day long oh my goodness contrast it was 90 when I was hitting balls today after work, so I, I can't even imagine what negative With 100% humidity. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm dripping sweat. <laughs> like, I can wring my shirt out as soon as I take a swing. Yeah. But Now, Golf Week Magazine just uh, named you guys top 100 residential courses, and I'm curious, like, at, at the facility level, what do those accolades mean, and then are you looking for them, or are they just coming to you? Kind of, what's that? What's that process? And if there yeah. is a strategy, what's that like? We've actively outsourced a couple of publications. Um, you know, we've really been a part of that list for some time, really since our the club's inception. And it's one of those things that's a nice feather in a hat. And it just, it's further, you know, it solidifies the fact that we're doing what we're supposed to be doing um, as a community, not only as, as a club. And it's just always nice to be recognized, you know, for your efforts. And so to, to get it again this year was greatly appreciated. And uh, one of those things that we hope to continue to get for many more years to come. That's really cool. Now, I, I know nothing about this, and this is a good question from Eat Sleep Golf. Black Powder Shootout, what is that? That sounds, I mean. I'm going to tell you this. So the Black Powder Shootout is probably one of the best events I've ever been a part of. And I've been done some big events. I've been, I've been a part of some big events, worked at a club that hosted a PGA Tour event for 15 years. I was there for seven of them. Um, of course, our Troon Cup, that the, I got to go with the cliche, is about as good of an event as you can get. Um, the Black Powder Shootout sold out every year. It's got a waiting list. There's actually a welcome reception for the sponsors going on right now that I'm heading to right after I leave you. And, uh, you know, it's a traditional member guest format, round robin, um, you know, flighted with six teams per flight. And uh, we'll get 168 players. And it's, it's a three-day ordeal. And it's, uh, you know, they do it right. The food from the welcoming reception, the food each day, the breakfast, the lunch, the dinner, the entertainment. It, uh, their committee, and I've enjoyed working with them, it's one of the better run events that I've ever had been a part of. And I'll be honest with you, last year when we sat down, it was our first time to be involved with them. And we just wanted to continue to bring our experience from some of the other facilities that we've all been at to really say, hey, let's try to add a little bit more value to your event and see if we can just continue to raise the bar. So we've already got some great ideas coming up for this year. Um, you know, we have people that fly in from all over the country for it's usually a couple weeks before the rodeo or a week after, depending on when it's scheduled and when it falls. But uh, the format itself, that time of year in Sheridan, you can turn off you know, the water valve. We're not going to get any rain after June 1. The weather's perfect. It's high 80s, 10% humidity, um, no wind. So it's just an ideal time for those guys to go out and, and do that format, which for me happens to be my favorite. That's really cool. So speaking of the Troon Cup, I mean, what's, what's your strategy this year? I mean, you got a chance? 
Boy, you know, I don't know. We won. We were day one champs last year. I had I had a strong, I had I had a strong amateur field, and uh, you know my team. It uh, luckily they saved me, and uh, the second day I wasn't a whole lot of help. But uh, you know, I'm probably going to bring the same individuals that I brought last year. I mean, I think we gelled, and I I got to say this: I did steal Dolph May. One of my my fourth team member was actually snowed in, so I I, I, I had to. Uh, he couldn't get out of, of Billings just north of us. So I, I called the corporate office and got Dolph. And I know Dolph's a good player. And, and you know, the composition of our team, we, we ham and egged it pretty well that first day. And then we struggled the second day. But, uh, but no, it, uh, I've never been to Lake of Isles. I've never been to the far northeast. So I'm looking forward to it. The golf course looks amazing online. We'll be bringing two teams this year again. My head pro is actually from New York. So he's kind of told me about the area. We might fly in a couple of days earlier and catch a Bow Sox game. I'd love to go to Fenway while I'm up there. But, um, you know, for me, honestly, I just need to get out and play more. I've got a Callaway Epic sitting in my bag that's been there for three weeks. I haven't even hit yet. That's awesome. Well, I will tell you, Dolph, I've played some rounds of golf with Dolph, and that, that dude's just a stick. Like, he doesn't miss a fairway, and he's long, and he's, he's a good putter. Like, he's just an all-around. Like, I literally have played a round of golf with him where he shoots, like, 74, and he shows up when we're in the middle of the first fairway and just like goes to the tee and just joins us. Like the, the guy's dying. He's, he's a robot. He's a machine. It's great. No, we had a lot of fun this year. So tell me more about your staff. I mean, you've got a wide staff there, but uh, talk a little bit about some of the key players on your team. You know, our operation is rather large compared to a lot of other private facilities. You know, we have a real estate component. We've got an operations component that manages the wastewater treatment plant for the community. Without the wastewater treatment plant, there is no powder horn to be quite honest with you. Um, We've got an actual um, facility manager that basically maintains the grounds, not only in the golf course, but within the community. Your traditional agronomy staff, you know, I've got a membership coordinator and a member communications manager, um, our head professional, and we've got one of our assistants coming up from a Troon facility um, here in about three weeks. It's down in the desert right as they get out of season. He's going to come up and spend the season with us. And then I've got my food and beverage director that I actually uh, brought from Nashville with me. And then I've got an executive chef that just joined us from Pine Canyon Country Club up in Flagstaff. Um, so we've got uh, we've got a big staff, a great senior management team. It's large, you know, consists of 14 individuals. But uh, you know, I, I couldn't have walked into a better situation. You know, walking into a, a transition, to be honest with you, as, as as somebody who's done it multiple times, there's always that fear of the unknown per se. Of what am I getting into? How are the personalities in the room? How are they, how receptive are they going to be? You know, in my position with Troon coming into the coming into the realm, to be honest with you. But I walked in here and it was like family one. And it was one of those things that you know, I, I expected that, you know, I guess because the area, everybody's so warm, welcoming, and friendly. But to actually get up here and see that, I mean, it was one of those things that just further solidified to my wife and I that we made the right decision to come up here. That's awesome. And I will tell you, I've had a couple of meals at Pine Canyon. And if it's the same person making those meals, you got a you got a solid executive chef headed your way. That's really cool with it. Yeah, so I got him up here. He grew up in the Black Hills in South Dakota, which is about two and a half hours east of us. Um, so for him, it was like a coming home party. You know, he was excited to get back into the area where he's close enough to where he grew up, but he's far enough away where he does he's not obligated to, to be back in town. So when I talked to him, you know, it was one of those things. He said, I can't wait to get back up there. And I actually met uh, him and his wife whenever the first day they came on property. And she said, we can't thank you enough for bringing us home. So to have somebody that's here, wants to be here, it, it just, it, it's, been very very well received by the membership and of course he can he can relate to them much more of you know things to do in the area and, and obviously historic sites to see in the area and what to do in north central wyoming and western south dakota than i ever could so it, it, uh, it, it's been good 
That's cool. So now you used to allow some daily fee access. Now you're a private club, members only. Do you ever allow outside play and kind of to the person that's at home watching and says, I'd love to visit this place and play there. Like what's the outside play look like? And do you do any of that at all at the club? We do. Absolutely. We've got some stay, stay and play packages and some getaway packages. Um, One of the things that you could do, we have 29 homes that we manage that are within the community. They're within our rental pool. You stay in one of those that has a membership attached to it that has golfing privileges. You too get those golfing privileges at the company guest rate. So that's an opportunity for a lot of individuals, especially we get them a lot from the central Colorado area. They want to come up here in the summer for you know seven to ten days, and they'll rent one of our one of our homes that we've got within the rental pool, and they'll play golf. You know they'll play thirty six holes a day, and it's one of those things that uh, they've got access to the private club. And again, it goes back to that being more inclusive rather than exclusive. But uh, that's one of the ways to go ahead and. Uh, and to secure around the golf here at the club, and, you know, and once you get on property and you're at a, at one of the homes that has those privileges associated with it, I mean, you've got the access that our members do. You've got the pool, the fitness, the tennis, and, and then of course access to the club and the restaurant. That's cool. So you've worked at a lot of properties over the years. So <laughs> how, how, like, I mean, I'm, I'm going way back and I, I knew you had been in a lot of clubs that I looked at your LinkedIn profile before we started just to, just to solidify the fact that you've been at more clubs than I could probably count without thinking about them. But so how does like a property like Turtle Dunes and the Rawls course at Texas Tech and like, and now Powderhorn, like they're very different properties. Like, so in your role, I mean, from head pro to GM and in between, like how do they compare? Do they, or do you learn? I mean, kind of what's your, just your flow from, from where you started to where you are now? You know, you're, Boy, you made that sound bad saying I've been at a lot of properties. I like to think that that's a good thing. That is, that yeah, is a good thing. A lot of hopefully nobody has the perception I'm getting thrown out from place to place. No, but uh, you know the golf business is a golf business. You, you know we're not reinventing the wheel by any means. You know daily fee. Obviously, you're monitoring your traffic and you're trying to trying to generate as much daily fee play as you possibly can. Um, you know, obviously on the private side, it's all about your dues line and it's all about building relationships. And I'll be honest with you, as a company and I'm fortunate enough, I started with Troon back in 01, um, where that culture was really embedded into me at an early age, to where, you know, we create that culture of hospitality, and we've heard that for so many years, and that's why I've always taken great pride anywhere I've been, whether it's been in Acapulco, or whether it's been in the Rawls course, anywhere else, any facility we manage, I mean, we're not like a daily, some other facilities where you would walk up, they just want you to swipe your credit card and have a good day. You know, we actually welcome people when they come on property. We engage them at the counter. We just, you know, we visit with them. There's nothing more I loved when I was in the resort business. I would see people's IDs when they were presenting their credit card and it would be from out of state. Well, I use that as a converse- conversational piece to get to know them. Maybe I traveled there. Maybe I've got family in the area. And that was one of the ways that we would always bridge that gap to make them feel comfortable. And uh, and, and, and it's no different in the private club world, to be honest with you. You know, I, our members, I've got a lot of Texans that have secondary homes up here. So that's one of those things, and, and I guess you see it all the time online. I think I actually tweeted something that uh, Texas Humor did on uh, Twitter the other day. You know, it's, it was kind of a, a, a meme whenever you see a, a Texan sees another Texan. You could be from opposite sides of the states, but you almost feel like you're from the same hometown. And so, you know, whenever they get up here, it's one of those things that we're always joking, talking about this, that, what's our favorite Mexican food down there. And um, as far as, you know, facilities as a whole, boy, I've had the run of the gamut. I'm trying to think. You know, I've had uh, – Obviously, resorts, private club with a resort as an amenity, daily fee, semi-private, and then of course my last two facilities, 100% private. So it's uh, it's pretty well rounded. But uh, you know, I'll be honest with you, I've got no preference on any of the three. You know, I, it's it's the golf business. I love what I do, 
And at the end of the day, you know, as a former golf professional, I'm still a PGA professional. You know, I just want to grow the game. I grew up around it. My brother-in-law was a golf professional. Um, it's one of those things that, <laughs> you know, I, honestly, I don't know what I would do outside of the golf business. I, I've, I've thought about that before. And you know, I just said, geez, if that were to ever happen, where do I go from here? Because, you know, this is all I know. And, and it, it truly is. It's what I love. And I love coming to work every day. I don't have a traditional nine to five. Um, being able to have that freedom to work, you know, 7 a.m. to 11 p.m. during the black shootout or black powder shootout. I love it. I wouldn't trade it for the world. Um, yeah. And that's one of those things I think that's always appealed to me about the golf business. And uh, yeah, and that's regardless of whatever type of facility you're at. That's cool. Well, and somebody that's new to the field, I can totally appreciate that. And, and that excites me. And that energy is definitely something that I can take and use and my own personal journey and to the fact that, you know, to your, your point about loving what you do, like, I mean, I can't wait to get there and it makes me mad when I got to leave. Like, I just, I want to be there. Like, you know, when I see, like, I was walking out today and I see a member and, and the member member is going on yesterday and today and I, and I, I see him and I, I knew he played in it, but I, Hey, how'd you play today? Knowing that he played in it. And we're in the middle of the pack. And I start like, just, you can have a conversation and, and I have no idea past he's a member here what he does what he did what he's doing and we can have that relationship and to your point about building relationships relationships with your members i just i, I love that yeah no it's, it's you know in a club business or any business for that fact you can't have a you know a disconnect with your customer base so and i've said it probably half a dozen times already i mean that that's you know that's your bread and butter you've got to be able to make your your members feel comfortable and at the end of the day they've got to realize it's their club we're, we're here to serve them so I didn't tell you before we went live, this was going to fly by. We've been talking for about 30 minutes now, but we have this section called the back nine. I don't know if Scott told you about that. Fun, just golf-related questions. But one more before we get to the back nine is, obviously your club is a part of the Troom Privé family, and that means a lot to both members and to the staff being a part of Troon, but being a part of Troom Privé. So give us an overview, and I know the answer to this, but give us an overview of what that program means to you and the members that the powder horn and just kind of what, what that means to be a member at a club that is a part of the Troon Privé family. Yeah. So if anybody's not familiar with Troon, they've kind of rebranded themselves and not necessarily rebranded. I think they recognized here about five, seven years ago that we had several different brands underneath the umbrella. So they put a strong emphasis on creating those brands. Troon Privé is the private club um, brand underneath the Troon portfolio. You've got Troon Golf would be your daily fee resort, semi-private. And then Troon Privé would be where all your private clubs would fall underneath. And if I'm not mistaken, we have around 77 clubs that fly the Troon Privé flag at this point. But to be honest with you, and it's one of the largest selling points, I think not only myself and my membership director, but any of our other Troon Privé clubs, um, you get reciprocal privileges at other Troon Privé facilities for cart fees. That could range anywhere from $20 to $45. So you could go to clubs in the southeast portion of Florida, or southwest Florida, or you know, southern California, Phoenix, Scottsdale area, or for us, we actually do a home and home every year now. With the, we're doing it uh, in three weeks here, four weeks with the club at Cordillera, where we're going to have them come up here this year, and then we're going to go down there, and it's a reciprocal cart fee. So to be able to sell that advantage to our members, that actually a lot of them, this is their secondary home. You know, very few, I'd say about 40% of them actually live here year-round, and then they go elsewhere. You know, a lot of them actually here in the Bay Area too, where we have a lot of Troon Privé facilities. So to be able to have that reciprocal playing privilege, I mean, it, it's it's invaluable, and that's something that nobody else can offer. Um, it's been huge for me. It's it's been a huge selling point for us since we did turn private, and they brought Troon on board. Um, yeah, you know, I, I get fielded with questions all the time, and they say, "Well, what are the additional costs?" I said, "There are no additional costs. 
you pay your club dues like you normally would and you show up and you pay a reciprocal cart fee. And they just look at me and it's, it's, it's the greatest thing since sliced bread, right? You know, and, and kind of piggyback off that, we're actually a member of the private club network, so we pay for that. So not only do our members have reciprocal privileges at, uh, at all of our Truman Purvey facilities, they have privileges at over 200 golf courses around the country. And that's another thing that we wanted to continue to do to add value to their memberships. Um, being in a, um, I don't want to say isolated geographic area because we're not to an extent. I guess if you were, you know, in L.A. or Houston or, or New York City or some of those areas, you'd consider where we are pretty isolated. But um, be able to get individuals up here and have that as something that adds value to their membership is phenomenal. Um, for me, working under Troon, Troon Bay, one of those things when we came on early on, um, we don't necessarily shove it down our staff, staff's throat. I, it was more, I took it more of as an educational opportunity to say, hey, this is what we are. This is what we do. This is what we're about. And then they really bought into that culture. And at the end of the day, you know, if you can't have your staff embrace that culture of hospitality that we all, you know, you and I obviously preach so often, it makes it uh, it's challenging. But the bottom's been on, the buy-in has been 100%. And, you know, everybody takes great pride in having that true purvey sleeve on their logo or true purvey logo on their sleeve. Sorry. <laughs> oh, that's that's awesome. That's the same way here at Tiburon. I mean, it's it's so cool to see you know a food runner that has got that same passion that our director of golf has. That the food runner is just excited to have the fact that he gets to have a job and he gets to work at a property that's so high end and and to be able to have that. But that's I've always said and I always will say that Troon is a good company because they hire great people. Whether you're a food runner here in Southwest Florida or a general manager in Abu Dhabi or wherever, like a, it's, the, it's the same class of people. And, and the, you know, and we were talking about the Ritz Carlton a little bit before we went live. It's the same thing. It's like, you know, you have the same style of experience of whatever Ritz Carlton property you're at worldwide. Same thing with Troon, Troon Golf, Troon Privé and Honors Golf now being a part of our family. So well, it's, we've got it's, a saying here, one team, one dream. Everybody's bought into that. And, uh, you know, going back to you where you said is the standardization at a Four Seasons or a, or, you know, a Ritz-Carlton or a Troon. The way I look at it is, you know, here's a staff. We've got to uphold, maintain those standards because if the members are going down to see you at Tiburon, they're going to get a certain level of service or they're going to Cordillera. And at the end of the day, they're going to recognize that. So we've got to be up to speed, if not ahead of the curve when it comes to our service levels here at the club. And, you know, we roll out the red carpet not only for our members, but the other Troon Purvey members that are up here playing uh, on reciprocal privileges. I can't thank you enough for coming on the show, man. This has been awesome. We could sit here and talk all night. I know you got things to do, and it's about dinner time here in Florida. But before I let you go, we got the back nine, just nine fun, random golf-specific questions. So you ready for your back nine? Shoot. What's your favorite hole on what course at the Powderhorn? Whew. Boy, it's a risk-reward hole. Probably number one on the stag nine. Yeah, I think if you cut a straight line, it's a slight dog leg left, and you'll see it on, actually on the flyover. And I posted quite a bit of photos on our, our Twitter page. It, uh, you know, it's, it's tree lined, but if you got a, if your ball flight is high enough to carry it over the trees, which mine is, you being from Texas, you'd think I'd hit a low ball flight. But uh, you can actually drive the green, and you can actually start off with a, an easy two putt eagle, or two putt birdie, or a or possible eagle chance. That sounds pretty. And speaking of that video, I'm going to make sure it's in the description below because the video is very well done. You so threw a curveball at me. I thought you were going to go to Augusta. I thought we were going to talk about some Augusta. We might. There, I, I got to be honest. Like Before I even get to that one, did you see that DJ fell down the stairs and he's not going to play? Like He might play, but like, how do you fall down the stairs? You're like 25 years old. It was three steps. It wasn't even a full flight of stairs. Three steps. So 
Go ahead. I don't know if you watch Family Guy, but there's a video where, or an episode where Peter falls down the stairs like three times, and somebody posted that on Twitter earlier. DJ's night last night, and I just I lost him. <laughs> I was laughing so loud, like it's so funny. Three steps. Now I have to assume I know how you're going to answer this. Um, I you're probably going to say Bud Light, but let's have a drink. What are you ordering? Honestly, Pacifico, if it's available. Scarce, right. scarce here in the area. But if I do stumble across it, I'm going to do a Pacific Oaks, especially at dinner. If we're out just casually having a beer, I'll have a Bud Light. I think that. You know that. I don't, I don't sway. I'm pretty OCD, and I don't, uh, I don't go too much outside my comfort zone. Man, that's all right. You're still drinking beer. What golf ball do you play? Right now, I just switched to the, uh, the Truvis Chrome Soft. So, that's yeah, cool. I, I was a Pro V1 loyalist for the last dozen years or so and, and joined Team Callaway here about 15 months ago. And, and it's a phenomenal ball. I actually haven't even hit the Truvis yet. They, my staff order showed up about six weeks ago and I haven't even got the chance to hit the golf ball. So I'm looking, I'm very interested to see because I'm a traditionalist with that ball pattern, if it affects me or not. I mean, I, I, I've played obviously the Chrome Soft and I love the way that feels last year, but uh, I'm curious to see it with this Truvis pattern. It's, it's weird. Yeah. I'll say that. It's weird. It's good, but it's weird. Do you listen to music when you play golf? I do. You know, I, and again, going back to me being a traditionalist, hadn't I gotten up to Lubbock when, when I got up there in, uh, I guess, about seven, eight years ago now, everybody had, you know, iPod stereos on their carts. Um, of course, smartphones really just became prevalent then, and everybody was streaming Pandora. Me as a traditionalist, I hated it. Started two, three times in. Now I've got to stream Pandora everywhere I am. I've got my George Strait on or my Texas Country, and I can't even imagine or even fathom playing golf without, uh, without any music playing. Now, so country or dance music, like I'm in the, I'm in between, like I'm both sides. Like you will listen to country on the front nine. We listen to dance music on the back. So you're, <laughs> you're PGA. So your handicap is zero. So now you, you don't sound like you play a lot of golf. What is your actual legitimate handicap? Whew, boy, you know, four or five years ago, I'd probably say I could still play to a one or two. If I was able to maintain one, I'd say now whew, anywhere between a four and a six. You know, I can still get hot. I'm streaky, but I also, you know, I'll play 15 good holes and I'll have three doubles strung in there. You know, it's, it's one of those things that I'm not consistent enough now where, where uh, you know, the big numbers always jump out and get me. You know, just like a lot of other amateurs. It's, it's one of those things, If I think if I played a lot more and even just hit a few more balls, I could probably bring that down. I'd probably get my, uh, and probably get back to around par, but uh, I'd probably say about a four to a six would be pretty accurate. So you're saying there's a chance. I've, I've gone up from a 2.3 to a 6.8. Um, I've heard about your game. I need three side, brother. Um, now, hang on. Now, wait a minute. <laughs> I, I might be pushing 10 before too long. We'll see. I got I got nine holes tomorrow, Saturday, and Sunday I'm playing 18. So talk to me on Monday, and we'll see how many shots that uh, you got to give me. What's your favorite golf movie? Whew. Boy, is it's hard to go against Caddyshack, but I do love me some 10 Cup. Oh, how good you is know, that? I, I can recite both from start to finish. Um you know, Caddyshack for me is it's it's one of those ones that uh, Bill Murray's character you can, you know, it it, uh, it takes the cake for me. Why has no one ever answered the legend of Bagger Vance when I asked that question? No one has ever said that. I'm gonna plead the fifth. <laughs> um, so uh, talking about the Masters, the goat is not playing. Tiger will not be in the field this week. But who do you think is gonna win? You know, I had DJ. You know, I did a pool today with one of our reps. He gave me, uh, I think, seven players that were in an A group and then about 12 or 15 in a B group and about 40 that were in a C group. And in my A group, I took DJ. So I was scrambling. I emailed him back, and I said, let me take Rory. 
you know, I think with the conditions they're going to experience tomorrow and Friday, you know, you've heard it on the golf channel. I, I fell asleep watching um, live from the masters last night. Those first two days are all going to be able to be about ball striking. I wouldn't be surprised to see European on the leaderboard headed in the weekend atop it. Um, obviously with the inclement weather, I think they're forecasting two, two inches and overnight tonight. And I think 25, 30 mile an hour winds. Um, somebody who's going to have a good short game. I wouldn't be surprised to see Phil. Um, you know, and of course it all goes back to putting. You know, I love Henrik's game, but, uh, you know, one of the things he struggled here as of late is with his putting. So, uh, you know, I'm going to go with Rory. Okay. That's a good, that's a good safe bet. DJ was until I, I'm, I'm now even more mad that it was three steps. Like I'm envisioning him like tumbling down like 30 steps and landing there lame with his arm crossed. No, it's three steps. That's not even possible. So I, I, I asked this question every episode of the Friday foursome and now of the Wednesday match play, and I'm going to continue to ask it until he retires, so I know. But do you think Tiger breaks Jack's record? Why or why not? I don't think he's going to break the record. I think uh, you know, he's probably got two, three more good years left. I think he needs to sit back and wait till he's 100% healthy. I'm a huge Tiger fan. I know you're a huge Tiger fan. The reality is being in the golf business, if you don't like Tiger, you're a fool. He moves the needle, unlike anybody else. You know, these young stars, Rory, Jordan, Jason Day, even DJ, you know, those guys, there's no doubt the, the game is in good hands. But whenever Tiger's in the field, you look at viewership and anything else, I mean, he gets people excited. Um, I just, you know, I, boy, I just, I could see him winning one or two more majors, I'll be honest with you. I think his best opportunity is at Augusta, hands down. He knows every nook and cranny of that golf course. I don't see him with his uh, accuracy off the tee necessarily competing in the U.S. Open or something like that. But, um, you know, the big question mark that I think everybody houses back, and how's it going to hold up? And it's funny because, you know, I was thinking about this the other night. Had we maintained perspective 18, 20 years ago when he burst out on tour, they said, well, how's his body going to hold up with the amount of torque that he generates on his backswing and his follow-through? And everybody said he's indestructible. He's the, you know, he's the, he's, he was, at the time he was the fittest golfer on tour. Um, you know, he was the first one to kind of uh, – led everybody towards the uh, fitness regimes that everybody undertakes now. But, uh, you know, I, for me, I'd, I'd love to see him break Jack's record. It wouldn't offend me one bit. I'd, I'd be happy as all you know what if he did. Um, and I hope he does. You know, he's still got a lot of good years left in golf. I mean, he's only 41. And he's ripped. Like, the dude is dialed in. Like, it's not like he would, that book signing a couple of weeks ago. And, like, he can't even fit into his shirt. That's probably on purpose to make – <laughs> and look like he's ripped, but and I so Dustin had an interview yesterday. Speaking of Dustin, before he tumbled down three steps, that's so funny that it was three steps. Funny, not funny, but funny. Um, and they asked him, "When did you know or think and realize that you could be the number one player in the world?" And without laughing, he said, "When Tiger stopped playing." And that shows. I saw that quote this morning. Do what? I saw that quote this morning. Loved it. Yeah. I mean, and he, he meant it. And that's, you know, I've heard Phil say time and time again, I'm a millionaire because of Tiger. And to hear Dustin, who is playing the best golf of anybody on the planet, he hits the ball 50 yards past Tiger in the air, to still show that homage that he never even thought that he could be number one in the world until Tiger stopped. That's, I mean, that says a lot. I mean, whatever the rumors and the bad press that Tiger gets anywhere, like whatever, he's still the greatest in my opinion. And I don't think he's done. And I think he's finally the first time in his career. You have got to know how unhappy he is. He's not there this week. Like he's at the uh, champions dinner last night. Like he's got to be just mad. You know, like, he's chomping at the bit and he's waiting. Somebody's gotten to his ear and said, yeah, you can go back and play him. And he's going to get hurt again. He's going to get hurt again. He's you finally know what's sad is 
a lot of these young stars, they never got to go up against him in his prime or even when he was at 100%. I mean, in 13, what, he won three or five times? Five but, times. you know, Spieth, Spieth had his run in 15. Jay, Day had his run in 16. DJ's having his run now. Um, you know, of course, Rory over the last four years has been solid. But I, they haven't got to go up against him, if I'm not mistaken, on a Sunday head-to-head when he's actually firing on all cylinders. And I would love to see that because I think those guys would have a true appreciation for what he was able to accomplish and how truly great he is. And I, and I I am very hard to think that if any of those guys on Sunday are on the first tee of the final round and Tigers either a couple of back or in the lead by one are not going to be, oh, my God. Like, they're still going to be scared. I'm sorry that they're young and they're fit and they hit it further than him or whatever. They're still going to have that in the back. These guys are where they are today partly or mostly because of Tiger and what he did. So, in my opinion, he's not done. And I had on a, a recent episode, I asked that question, and, and the guest said that if if Tiger wins one more major, he breaks the record. That's all he needs mm-hmm. is one more to get back to where he – and think about this, too. One last thing before I ask your final question. He's won since Phil has won. So if you think about that, like Phil's always up there and talking. He's the top of the leaderboard. And to your point, he might even compete this week. I mean, a guy that you thought would never win a major championship, he's, he's won at Augusta. And, but, I mean, yeah, Tigers, he's not done. He's polarizing as a figure. He is. I mean, when, when he's on ESPN or he's on the Golf Channel or if there's anything covered about him, I'm following him. Because, like I said, he's good for the business. Um, you know, the height of his career was, you know, right as I really got introduced into the business in the late 90s, early 2000s. And, uh, you know, we need him. He's good for the game. Love him or hate him, he's good. Bingo. And I, if you can see in my room, there's Tiger everywhere. Like he's I, right I, I, I just noticed that. <laughs> it's pretty – I'm disgusting. His closet is full. Like, I've got rooms of my house are filled with Tiger stuff. So, quite frankly, if he doesn't break the record, I've got a lot of stuff that I'm not going to be able to get rid of. So <laughs> – and your final question of your hashtag Wednesday match play is, what's next, man? You're just getting in, getting settled. Season's about to start. What's next for you in the Powderhorn? You know, we opened up the golf course 12 days ago, um, just getting settled in. We've had some cooler temps earlier in the week. We had some snow Sunday, Monday, but we've got a, an active calendar, not only golf, but for our social events. And a lot of our members, a lot of our snowbirds are already starting to return. And it's really just, uh, you know, we're going to hit the ground running. We're prepared. We had a long winter. We had time to lay get all of our ducks in a row you know, lay out a strong social event calendar, line up all of our member golf events. You know, we do have some outside events that we host here as well. And, uh, you know, we're just happy. It's, it's great to see the faces coming back. You know, we had a much longer winter. I will say I was blessed. My first winter here last year, it was, uh, we were playing golf February 17th and 16th. You know, this year we just opened up, obviously, uh, basically 12 days ago, right, right at the end of March. But um, the golf course, it's already in impeccable condition. You know, the greens are, uh, and you'll see me post photos from, you know, on our Twitter page, our Twitter handle from here on out that uh, shows the golf course conditions, and it's phenomenal, and, and we're just ready. It's exciting. That's awesome. Well, hey, so good to catch up. Good to see you. I know you've got an event planned this evening, so get out there and shake some hands and talk to some members, and I will make sure this link gets shared to both Eat Sleep Golf's website, Facebook, Twitter, Google Plus Golf Community, all over the place. Can't thank you enough for coming on the show. It's great to catch up with you, and as always, on the hashtag Wednesday Match Plays, you have to remember to eat, sleep, golf. <laughs> <laughs>